Girl, you know that I went out with Alexis and Billy, our hosts here in LA, after we did our live show of this and got like hammered in the middle of Los Angeles. I do because I woke up to like four missed FaceTimes from you <laughs> and then a video <laughs> from 3 a.m. my time, yeah, yeah, yeah. which means you were up until midnight. I know. Billy and Alexis had me out late in West Hollywood. You oh, guys. is that all it takes? That's Great. All it takes. Shop liver over here. <laughs> Hi, Julia Benzavalli. Hey, Patrick Hines. You guys, before we go any further, this Saturday, if you're listening to this when it first drops, this Saturday, July 31st, 2021, we are doing our li- our first live show back in Boston at the Wilbur Theater. The iconic Wilbur Theater, 7 o'clock, July 31st. Come yeah. hang out. Hopefully tickets are still available. Check right now. Go to our yeah. website and check yeah. it out. They are going fast. We're doing the disappearance of Maura Murray with Lance and Tiffany and Maggie, who are all in it. My favorite thing you've said so far was that they're scared. They're nervous about it. You've got them right where you want them. I just said they're just a little bit. They're happy to be there. And also, yeah. we're not, like, uncovering anything about the case. We're just sort of making fun of Maggie and Lance and Tim and the oxygen. Yeah, when people are like, we can't do more, Marie, because you guys aren't going to bring anything new. That's not the point of that's, the live show, you no. guys. Not the point of the There's live show. There's a bar in the middle of the venue. There's a bar in the middle of the venue. We're going to make you laugh. We're going to be there with Lance and Timmy. We're going to go over Maggie's wigs all through this oh series. My God. We might just talk about the wigs for an hour. And that's fine. Totally. Or we might not. You never know. You never know. Come <laughs> find out with us, because we have no idea. TrueCrimeObsessed.com. Click on the CS Live link. Join us on the Patreon. Over 250 ad-free full bonus episodes to download a bitch right now if you want more of us. Yeah. And who can blame you? You know we haven't mentioned? Heaven's Gate. We did Heaven's Gate. Night Stalker. Totally. Heaven's Gate, for some reason, I woke up thinking, we haven't said Heaven's Gate in a while. (laughs) Again, if you listen to our our Scott Peterson thing on the regular feed a few weeks ago, we we have a whole six-parter on the the Patreon feed. Oh, yeah. The Staircase. Patty Peterson, may she rest? I know, may she rest. Um, The Jinx. Robert Durst. Fuck him. It's all there, you guys. It's all there. Um, And that's it. We love you. Anything else you want to say before we get into this? No, I have too much to say about the show, about the program. (laughs) All right, let's go. Girl, what are we talking about today? We are talking about Unraveled, about the Long Island serial killer. If you went to our virtual live show, this is what we talked about, but we're doing it brand spanking new for you here today. I got to tell you, I was not looking forward to doing that virtual live show because I need the audience. I need the people. I know. But it was real. I I was a big old bitch about it, right? You were a big old bitch about it. I feel like I'm back there again. It was horrible. The show was so fun. The prep with you was a goddamn nightmare. And, and she's not wrong. It was really bad. But it was fun. Fun's not the right word. But it was an experience to revisit this today. I feel like I've watched this documentary 80 times. We have both have, I have think. Have we solved the lisk? I have. Stands for Long Island Serial Killer. I certainly have, I think. Have I have opinions. Theory. The Long Island Serial Killer case is as gruesome as they come. I was shocked. It was just not uh, the bodies. It was just how many bodies were being found. To have that many victims in one area was amazing. It's been more than 10 years. No one has been arrested for these heinous crimes. It's time to start asking, why? My name is Alexis Linkletter. And I'm Billy Jensen. We're investigative journalists and we're from Long Island. Never before has anyone investigated the investigation itself until now. A handful of people decided to make this their playground for uh, some really bad stuff that they were doing. The FBI had been removed by then Chief Burke. Somebody was definitely watching out for him throughout his career. The district attorney himself made sure that Jimmy was well taken care of. This was unprecedented within the history of the department. You had a group problem, you had a woman problem, you had so many issues. 
I can't say it right now because if I say it, I'm gonna wind up dead. My life's in danger. This is the untold story of the Long Island serial killer investigation. Everything you think you know is wrong. So we open with some on-screen text, right? Yeah. And it's just like some of the events depicted in this program are subject to ongoing criminal investigations. And it ends with all individuals are presumed innocent until proven guilty. And I just have translation, shade will be thrown. <laughs> They're just covering their asses. And I appreciate it. Well, the whole setup for this is that Alexis Linkletter, who is just like so fucking lovely and yeah, we love her so much. Wonderful. She is one of the hosts here. And her old friend from like elementary school, this guy Chris Loeb, like reconnects with Alexis. And he's like, we hear this voicemail from him to her. And it starts with, and we did this in the live show. It starts with, yo, 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 Alexis. Also, somewhere William Elizabeth Jensen is like, I'm here too. I know. Billy Jensen's here, everybody. Ladies and gentlemen, William Elizabeth Jensen. Being at a table at a Los Angeles restaurant with Billy Jensen at like two in the morning as we're having our ninth whiskey. Sure. He's smoldering. Billy Jensen is a sexy man. Answer me this. How does he look in a blazer? Billy, I love you. I know. But come on. Billy, I love you. Billy, I love you. But put on a blazer and let me see. The point of this phone call is that like this guy, Chris, has incriminating information about somebody high up in the Suffolk County Police Department. If you don't know where that is, it's on the Long Island. Mm -hmm. How do you say it? Long Island. On the Long Island. I'm not like a mom. (laughs) I'm a mom. It's on the Long Island. And, you know, we have to uncover what the secrets are. Guess who's here to do it? William Elizabeth Jensen and Alexis Linkler. Yeah, they're here to find out. And Alexis says, look, I've known Chris since middle school. She describes him as cagey. Chris has been through it before, during, and after this this documentary. And Alexis says as much. And that's like, we're not laughing, but he just doesn't have a lot of trust. And he's just been through it. There's a couple moments in this beginning that I want to talk about because we couldn't talk about them on the virtual live show. When Billy is introduced, he goes... My name is Alexis Linkletter. And I'm Billy Jensen. And I'm Billy Jensen. Now, I just want to say, this was obviously recorded in the age of COVID, so they probably weren't in the same room when they were doing their voiceover. Oh, sure. Because she's like, I'm Alexis Linkletter. And I'm Billy Jensen. And then he goes, Alexis and I are partners on True Crime Podcast. We're investigative journalists, and we're from Long Island. Alexis and I are partners on True Crime Podcast. That's all he says. Doesn't mention that it's more than one or what the names are. And he says, Billy, I love you so much. He goes, we're investigative journalists, and we're from Long Island. <laughs> and, like, oh, well, investigative journalists, but wait, oh, you're from Long and Island? Oh, hold on Island. a second. So we are told, before we get Chris's story, this is all connected to the Long Island serial killer right. case. So we got to go back and get the story of the Long Island serial killer. The story begins on May 1st, 2010, when 23-year-old Shannon Gilbert, a sex worker, was called out to the private beachside community of Oak Beach to meet her client for the night, Joseph Brewer. And her client for the night was a guy named Joseph Brewer, and she was driven there by her driver, Michael Pack. Right. And we meet her lawyer, who we really didn't get into in the live show, but I have pages <laughs> upon pages upon pages. His name is John Ray. Oh, my God. He is the epitome of what you do when you're being interviewed for a documentary. He's got a bow tie mm-hmm. for Jesus. Yep. He's wearing a fancy shirt and a blazer. Yep. He's run, like, the comb through his hair. He and has... I, I meant that singular. Yeah. <laughs> He's got, like, bless this mess style notes and and boxes of paperwork. Yes. He knows exactly where everything is. Totally. They're his, his own version of organization. Yeah. 
and Steve Tipton would not be thrilled. But John Ray knows yeah. what he's doing, uh, and he's he's a family attorney for Shannon Gilbert. It's, I gotta say, whenever we get a throwback, like a bless this mess throwback, oh my god, it feels good, like a warm bath. It is. That was in the Keepers. Remember that the was keepers? the Keepers. Yes, I believe maybe the Keepers is where Let the Women Do the Work comes from too. But I could be making that up. I, yeah, it might be. I remember making you laugh really hard when I was like, and you thought we weren't going to have fun today. <laughs> remember the gay at the end who was dressed up as a nun and like chasing that lady down the road? And then for that Christmas, I got you the nuns having fun calendar. Yeah, yeah. Which you better still have. I do still have. Are you Good. kidding me? Good. Shannon, by the way, was so beautiful. It doesn't matter, but she was so beautiful. Mm-hmm. So something goes wrong. John tells us. And then about 4.54 a.m., she's somewhere in the house, apparently down on the main floor, calling 911. One of the things Shannon says is they're trying to kill me. We never hear this 911 call, and that gets contentious. We'll get into it later. But according to John, she says they're trying to kill me, and then she runs out of the house and runs up the road and disappears. Now, something to know about this Oak Beach community, because we'll probably skip it later because this documentary is nine hours and long. And we're not going to Oak Beach. No. We're also not welcome there. <laughs> no, by no. The way. It's a very, it's a very private community. One road in, one road out. So mm-hmm. when Shannon is like running out the door, it's not like she's running onto a main street. She's like running into the middle of nowhere. Right, right, right. And we meet. This is where. We meet Dominic Verone. He's the chief of detectives for I mean, uh, this guy Suffolk County. Is great. He's the kind of guy I hope retired and went into like private investigator work. He most certainly did. <laughs> well, this also came out like last year, so I maybe know. he will eventually. I do want that. there to be a mystery I need solved so I can hire him. Yeah, and but Billy, this is so funny because he's like, yeah, there was uh, there was a sense of urgency, and Billy like cuts him off. Yeah, because he's like, oh, you know, we heard the nine one one call. There was a sense of urgency, and Billy's like, what, 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 what exactly? Is that? I'm like, Billy, we're five it. minutes into the thing, can you let the guy talk? Billy does this a lot. He's like, I will direct the interview. Answer what was asked. Right. So it wasn't until June uh, when we realized this 911 call, and now that becomes a whole new sense of urgency. Well, let me just go go back to the 911 call. It became a sense of urgency because what was on the 911 call? Oh, absolutely. She's in distress. Absolutely. What was on the call, detective? (laughs) What was on it? Why are we here? Billy. Hey, hey, look, we are not going to go, we're not going to oxygenize Billy Jensen again, all right? He had a rough go with the Rebecca Zahau episode where he was tied, he had to go to that S&M club and get tied up in bondage at night in the morning. I had issues with that coverage. (laughs) Billy, I like seeing you tied up in bondage. (laughs) Billy, we discussed it. We've moved past it. It's all right. We learned that, you know, from Detective Dominic that Shannon was reported missing the day that she vanished. But And I don't really understand what happens here, but mm-hmm. some wire gets crossed and her 911 call goes to the state police as opposed to the local police, which some I think what they're trying to tell us is that they didn't understand how urgent her disappearance was until like a month later when they actually got the 911 call. Aren't they all urgent? <laughs> I know. <laughs> I'm really asking if there's like on a level of, ur- aren't, isn't it I, all when you, 911, when you pick I, up the phone, isn't it all kind of all like you're at a you should yeah. be at 100 at all times. I don't, look, that's a directive I follow. I didn't, as I was saying it, I was like, not y- you. I'm really nailing that. Are you proud? You know what? Yes, I am, actually. <laughs> Thrilled to be here. As long when, as we're not doing a virtual live show, I'm happy to oh be discussing God. this with you. So, Detective Dominic is saying... Our initial thought was that the driver, Michael Pack, may have killed her and dumped her body somewhere along Ocean Parkway. But detectives cannot find any evidence that Michael Pack played a role in Shannon's disappearance. 
The same goes for her client, Joseph Brewer. And they also thought maybe that the client, Joseph Brewer, was involved. He says he never saw her again. And, like, there was never any evidence mm-hmm. connecting them to her murder or disappearance. At this point, she's just missing. We don't it, know where she is. Except that 911 call where she said they were trying to kill me from his home. But that's the point. They didn't get that call for right. a month. Right, so, right, right. like, you know what I mean? So, like, when, when she was... There's a difference, I think, between, like, a missing person and, like, a they're going to kill me missing person. Yeah. <laughs> I still think it's the same, only different, right? It's like, the same, only different. Yeah. Missing is missing is missing. <laughs> then we learn on December 11th, 2010, seven months after the search for Shannon began, a canine police officer and a dog find a body in what they're calling the Bramble off the parkway at Gilgo Beach, which is like, I guess, a long stretch of beach in Long Island. Right. So, of course, the cops assume that this is Shannon Gilbert. but. Right. It's not. It's not. Um, are you going to walk us through what happens next? Well, the, the, the detective... <laughs> detective Dominic. Is, yeah, Detective Dominic is talking to Billy, and Billy asks, like, well, who was it if it wasn't Shannon? Yeah. Billy asks him that as the guy's taking a sip of his water. <laughs> so the guy's taking a sip of the water, and as he's sipping, Billy's, like, asking him this really important thing, and the guy's doing that thing where you're sipping, and you're like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> No, it wasn't Shannon. When he finds the first set of skeletal remains... You're notified immediately. Yes. He literally, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No, 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 I'll tell you, I'll tell you. And this is two minutes after Billy was like, what was on the phone call, Dom? Spill it. Like, Billy, I want to get to the bottom of this, too. I know. He's so tall and handsome. He's very tall. But he finally tells us that it wasn't Shannon Gilbert, it was Melissa Bartholomew. Yeah. God damn it. So, like, they were looking for one woman and found another. That should be, like, cause enough for fucking concern. Is anyone at 100 yet? What are we at, a 50? What are you doing in Suffolk County? Going to the beach? So, then we learn on December 13th, which is just two days later, the remains of three other women are found along the same beach. They're all within 500 feet of each other. It's reported that they're all wrapped in burlap sacks, so it's that's not confirmed. And they become known as the Gilgo Four. And all of these women were sex workers who advertised on Craigslist. Yes. And Detective Dominic, he's like, he was shook when these bodies were found. And he goes, I've trained with the FBI. I've trained with uh, about uh, profiling and serial killer uh, investigations. And... Uh, I knew we had a serial killer immediately. If you trained with the FBI, girl, why why aren't you working with the well, FBI? <laughs> I mean, maybe that's a thing that happens and then you decide like you then decide what you want to do. Was it like when I was trying to go from being a bartender to being a waiter and I was started like doing training shifts as you waiter? You can't do that. You I have know. to go to a server to bartender. I know. You can't do that. I no. would train a shift and then not be invited back. Girl, I, I, I did Dominic, that. It could happen all the time. Girl. I did that once and was miserable. Went yeah. from bartending and then to a different place as a server and I was like, I'm never doing no, this again. No. Yeah. For me, back it to bartending I go. It wasn't my choice. It was the choice of the establishment. I see. I understand. <laughs> yeah. Um, and they were also all asphyxiated, which is just the, everything about this is terrifying. And Shannon Gilbert is still missing. So we found all these other bodies and Shannon is still missing. Yeah. Cut to March 2011. A year later, they're looking for Shannon. They find the partial remains of two more women. Their torsos were found. Yeah. Several years earlier, 40 miles away. Then the next month, April 2011, four more victims. Yeah. Two women, a toddler, and a young Asian man. In women's clothing. Yeah. I mean, like, that's, I don't know why that's important, but they said it, so I'm just Because it say. doesn't come back again. <laughs> yeah, but the yeah. point is that, like, none of them have been identified. Right. So this is when, okay, you you got to do this. <laughs> the, so Detective Dominic and Billy are driving around where they think the killer was taking all these bodies, uh-huh. right? And they say the word dump 30 times a piece. It makes me crazy. We need a different word. <laughs> it's rude. I don't like it. 
Unlike I it. mean, it's not hard to say dispose of. You know what I mean? Okay, uh-huh. are you okay with dispose of? I don't love it either, but <laughs> I guess I don't because I, I don't love the situation. Uh-huh. I just right. have to like yeah. deal with we it. We wish get they over weren't it. bodies at all. Right. Yeah, I wish that they were just like living happily and safe, <laughs> totally. and everyone had a friend. So <laughs> crazy. Um, so you're a very nice person. <laughs> you are kind. You don't read the iTunes reviews. <laughs> So, I don't read the iTunes no, reviews. I don't either. I don't. Yeah, self-care, everyone. Don't read the reviews. No, right, exactly. Ever, ever. Anywhere, ever. So Dom, Detective Dom, acts out the guy, quote, dumping the bodies. And because he's he like, has, like, Dominic has a very specific specific idea of how the guy just was like, they're driving down the highway. He's like, he knew where he was going to dump them. All he had to do was make sure he wasn't being followed, and this is how it happened. And while, I just want you to picture this, while Detective Dom is acting this yeah. out, <laughs> Billy is next to him in a fantastic suit. He's so hot. In a fa- it's 8,000 degrees. It's okay if I say Billy's hot, right? He's not a killer That's, that we know of. I mean, not yet. With okay. <laughs> July 14th, 2021. Yeah. yeah. Podcast live in a vacuum. So <laughs> while while Detective Tom is doing that, Billy in his suit is like, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. trying to do, trying to mime <laughs> what Tom's doing. So Dom's like, so he pulled up here, he was driving SVU, whatever. And he's try, he's like, so the guy's dumping the bodies. But then yeah. what, he, what Dom is actually <laughs> trying to tell us. All he had to do, make sure no one was coming, get out of his vehicle, pop the trunk, SUV, whatever, pull the body, put it onto his shoulder, walk over, and just throw it as far as he could, head first, on their back. And he threw him from yeah. the SUV, whatever. Yeah. And I just don't think that the guy threw them like that. No. Don't make it worse. It's bad I- enough. Because then Dom's like, look, I think Shannon Gilbert going missing was the only thing that would have led them to find this dumping ground. And again, I say, yeah. why do dumping grounds continue to exist? I know. Do why your jobs. I know, I know, I know. Matt, give us the sound. Boom. Give us the floodlights everywhere. Anywhere that there's more trees than houses, give us floodlights. And I don't care what you pay to live in that one road in, one road out oh, beach community. Yeah. You should want it to be safe. Totally. And not be a dumping ground. Like a known Look, dumping ground. They should not exist. Nothing ruins a hike like A, going on a hike, Ooh. but B, stumbling upon a dead body. I mean, come on. Who wants to do that? Let's let's eliminate dumping grounds. Let's I don't, I don't hashtag do any of it. eliminate dumping grounds. So now we have 10 bodies. That's yeah. the that's the horrible news here. And Dominic really wants us to know there were agents all over this. It was a massive, massive coordinated undertaking. We had a lieutenant, two detective sergeants, and 15 detectives. Computer crime unit, one missing person section, forensic, our major case detectives. The FBI was fully involved. It was an all-stops, exhaustive search. Everyone is like looking for for more bodies, trying to find Shannon Gilbert, trying to figure out what's going on. And I just want you to know that because something happens in a minute that I can't figure out. Okay. So here we go. December 13th, 2011, 19 months after the search for Shannon began, her remains are found. They are found 200 yards from where she was last seen. Remember five seconds ago when I said every fucking cop on Long Island was on this case? They're combing the woods. Plus They're the FBI? 200 yards from where she was last seen? It doesn't make any sense. That doesn't make any sense. It makes zero sense to me. Unless they're trying to say that she was recently put there, but they don't say that. They don't say that. And it's like, well, when when Detective Dom and Billy were miming what happened to right, her, they yeah. were right there. Yes. I mean, 200 yards. That That's really crazy. doesn't make any fucking sense. And they don't go into it. No. So I don't know. And in case we don't get to it later, like, there's not a lot of evidence that she was murdered. Mm-hmm. The Suffolk County cops don't even connect her to the Long Island serial killer. They don't believe she's a victim of that. And the dogs? I'm sorry. I don't mean to bring the dogs into this, but how did the dogs not find her? You know what? I know. <laughs> And 
also, you guys, she, like, they don't know how she died, and they rule her death a death by misadventure. There's got to be a better word. I know. I know. That is so from the 30s. Misadventure. It sounds like they went, like, like, like the Goonies happened. She, she had a little mishap. Totally. No. <laughs> no. Yeah. Again, I never thought I'd spend a full episode begging people to be at 100 24 <laughs> hours a day, but here I am. Death by misadventure. And so now they're like. This is where most stories about the Long Island serial killer end with the discovery of Shannon Gilbert's body, because hers was the last of 11 bodies that were found. But this is where our story begins, because few people know what happened immediately afterwards. Well, this is where the story usually ends, but not us, because we're Billy and Alexis. And I'm like, also, why would the story end here? Well, because she's saying, and I mean, it's true because no one's ever heard the story before. They're like, nobody knows what happens next. So like two days after Shannon's body is found, this guy, James Burke, is appointed like chief of police of Suffolk County. Yeah. And this is why we're here, because that guy, Chris, from the, yeah, 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 yeah. I can't do it again. Wow. I'm shaking my jaw. I can I, I think they can hear it, <laughs> that you're not just saying, yo, 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 yo. <laughs> the dirt that he's got is on this guy. Right. And Alexis is like, no one knew he was about to blow up the entire investigation. No one had any idea he was about to blow up this entire investigation. I don't think that's Alexis's fault. I think they make them say things like that before commercials. <laughs> I think she's absolutely right to yeah, say it. I know. I know. Having spent some time with her now, I did chuckle. It's like how Maggie's my friend now. So like yes. going back and watching oh the Maura Murray thing, it's like Maggie doesn't talk like that at all. The the first time the three of us really hung out, she was like, tell me what you hated that I said because I bet I hated it too. (laughs) She was, she like wanted to finally be able to say like, I didn't want to say that. I know. The problem with Maggie and Alexis is that they're beautiful, smart women. So of course everybody wants to put them on TV. I know. But then they make them say like silly things. Right. But I also wasn't saying it silly. I mean, Alexis is right. No one knew he was going to blow up the whole thing. And so this James Burke guy goes over to Detective Dom and he's like, hey, Dom. And Dom's like, oh, hi, Jimmy. What's going on? I am told that I have 15 days to put in my retirement papers or be demoted to captain. So that guy, Detective Dominic, he was the chief of detectives. He wasn't just a detective. He was like the head of the detectives. And so this guy, Jimmy Burke, the new guy, is like, I'm firing you and I'm firing everybody else. We've got 15 days to get the fuck out of here, except for that guy. One person gets to stay. Right. We don't know who. Yeah. Well, someone in cahoots, clearly. (laughs) So Burke totally dismantles the team working on this case. Yeah. They were working on it for two years. This guy comes in, demotes or fires everybody, and then tells the FBI to go fuck themselves. He's like, I don't need you. (laughs) Not only does he like say thank you, we don't need your help anymore. He's like, get the fuck out of here. You no longer have access to any of our files or the bodies or any of the information. He kicks out the FBI. We went over this for 20 minutes during the live show. How is he allowed to do that? I, yeah, I feel lied to because every television show and movie has led me to believe that the FBI can do whatever the hell they want. Yeah, and so Alexis, I love this. The, I, we did not talk about this scene in the live show. What? Alexis is like determined to get to the bottom of like, why would Jimmy Burke want to be shutting down this investigation? Right. So she finds a cop that had worked with Jimmy for a long oh time. It's this guy's name is John Oliva which totally freaked me out because I used to know a John Oliva a thousand years ago who sounds just like that guy Alexis like will you sit down with me and like spill all the tea they meet at a strip mall they meet at like a coffee shop at a strip mall where they're like sitting at one of those tables outside in the parking lot I feel like because it was COVID Alexis and Billy shot this whole thing themselves yep like on their phones Alexis like let me get let me get my ring light (laughs) she still looks great I know she still looks great but no one really got because she's trying to get to the bottom of like why Jimmy would do this and this John Oliva guy's like I don't know it's an 
excellent question. Nobody knows why. Like, this case is getting bigger and bigger. Everyone's been working on it for two years. The FBI's there, and Jimmy just shuts it all down, and everyone's like, what the fuck? And John Oliva's like, maybe he had skeletons in his closets. Maybe he had things going on that nobody was privy to, and they just didn't want these guys out here interfering. Well, he probably had skeletons in his closet, and I just wrote, did he ever? (laughs) And then we meet Rob Trotta. Oh, my God. Rob Trotta. Rob Trotta is like, I'm sure he's never heard of True Crime Obsessed, Uh but if he had, he'd be like, oh, they're going to love me. He's great for us. So he used to be a cop, but now he's a county legislator. And he's talking about how, like, everyone was like, oh, you know, Jimmy's the best. And, you know, he thought of himself as the king. He'd show up at union meetings smoking cigars. And I'm like, well, back in Queens, we'd say he thinks who he is. What that, is that? Wait, say it again. He thinks who he is. What does that mean? You know, he's got he's got a real ego. He thinks who he is. He's walking in there with his cigars. I don't like him. Look, it took me a full year to understand the definition of colpas. So, colpast. Colpast. With the T and the apostrophe at the end. I had some colpas the other day. It was penne ala vodka. And Let again, me tell you, out of the container, it was So delicious. it just means like pasta that was once hot but is now cold. Yes. Okay. That's you don't a- cook colpas okay. to be colpas. I actually Googled colpas to see. I'm like, how do I make that? You go to a restaurant, yeah. you take it home, and the next morning, you yeah. eat it, and oh you your soul will be full. So, like, remember, this guy's, like, the king, right? And uh, they're like, is it possible that, like, he's never been, like, power-checked? Right. And Alexis and Billy are like... We uncovered something shocking from Burke's past. Back in 1995, then-Sergeant Burke got himself into some deep, dirty water. They uncover some shocking shit from his past, and here we go. (laughs) Right. Back in 1995, a sex worker walks into the precinct and says, hi, my friend is dating a sergeant in your precinct. They are smoking crack. They are drinking. And he would have sex with her in his car on duty in uniform. I don't know if this is something you'd like to look into, but here's my tea. Take it with my compliments. So this sex worker basically is ratting out this sergeant who's dating her like sex worker friend. And the girlfriend of the sergeant is this woman, Loretta Rickenbacker, which is that a name or is that a name? It's a great name. It's such a good name. And Alexis is like, I got my hands on the internal affairs report. And although it's heavily redacted, what's there is completely mind blowing. I got my hands on the internal affairs report and most of it's redacted, but what's not is bananas. (laughs) I love Alexis. She gets her fucking hands on the internal affairs report. I mean, having sex in police cars on duty and, you know, which is like, I don't care about that necessarily. Yeah. But he would lose his gun. But what they mean by that is he would lose his gun and Lorita, the girlfriend, would get the gun. Would get the gun. And they're doing crack. So they're doing crack, having sex in the car. They get in a fight. He loses his gun. She's got the gun. This is not a good situation. Lorita takes the gun. Yeah. And uses it in a stick-up or something. Right. <laughs> in a stick-up. Lorita gets in a time machine and goes back to the Wild West. <laughs> she walks into a saloon. You don't say stick-up anymore? A robbery? <laughs> An armed robbery? And so this was happening for like six months. And yeah. apparently... Everyone in town knew that that James Burke yes. was doing this. And I gotta say, even though like James Burke and Lorita Rickenbacker are both criminals, I bet that that relationship wasn't great. I no. just like I bet there was not a lot of anniversary remembering. No, because James Burke is a piece of shit. Totally. So and Lorita seems a little unstable. If I'm being honest, I wouldn't want to cross her. No, <laughs> in a stick up, no. nor elsewhere. 
She kicks open those swinging wooden doors. Right. You know what I mean? Her, it's like, oh, that's something I would do. I'd be like, I'm here. And I'd kick it. And I'm like, oh, it's, a, it's swinging back and hitting me in the face. Great. And so this internal affairs report happens. So people are kind of are looking into this. Mm-hmm. So Burke is like. Burke told investigators that his relationship with Rickenbacker lasted about six months. They would meet in various parking lots and he would take her to his home or to motels. Burke denied having any knowledge of her addiction to crack cocaine or her extensive criminal record even though all of her arrests happened in his precinct while they were dating. James Burke is like, what? Who? I know nothing about this. Steve, I've been duped. And the gag is that all of her arrests happened in his precinct, right. 10 feet away from his desk. He's lying. Yes. He got busted. Have Like, have your girlfriend. If, like, have whatever girlfriend you want. But, like, when you're a sergeant and she's a criminal and she's got your gun and you're effing in the police car sure. on duty, like, you deserve some punishment. Yeah, and a lot, and all of her allegations were substantiated by other people, too. Exactly. So, guess what? Nothing happens to him. He no. is transferred and he loses 15 vacation days. I know that that's not enough, but that is more than they want us to think it is. Losing 15 vacation days. The fact that anyone has 15 vacation days in one year, is that what that is? I know. 15. <laughs> you know. And I, plus the weekends they take too. And the law, those, those, what are the bank holidays? Don't, don't. <laughs> How sad is it that we didn't even know the name bank holidays? That's when the banks are closed. Right. <laughs> and the post office is closed. You can't like do anything, right? But there I, I am emailing. And I'm oh, like, why yeah. isn't anyone responding? Oh, because everyone else is home. <laughs> right. <laughs> Or, or at, at a barbecue, right. you know or what I mean? Yes, yeah, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> like Labor Day. <laughs> that's the one in September. That's right. like, that's the first Monday in September. Let's get to work. So, <laughs> you're at a barbecue. Oh, okay. So wait, we're back to Rob Trotta. He's got a Newsday article that he wants us to see. My favorite thing about it, he's kept this Newsday article for 20 years. Explain to people what Newsday is, because it's not Newsweek. No, it's, <laughs> and that's why it really made me laugh that like this is their reference in Newsday. Right. But Newsday was is like the Long Island paper. You can get it in Queens. You can get it in Manhattan, yeah. but it mostly covers like Queens and Long Island. But it's not like a national publication. It most certainly is not. No. It's a local paper with a pretty good distribution. <laughs> I mean, you can get it at the bodegas here, but. <laughs> But totally. it's, uh, it's not really going to cover a lot of stuff. And the whole thing is like Rob Trotta is just incensed. It actually says, did have sex while on duty in a marked police vehicle. Substantiated. They don't even demote him. And they keep him as the chief. On what planet is that okay? On what planet is that okay? And he leans in. Because he just he's like, he just kept climbing the ranks. His yeah. dirty little secret. And he just like, he just kept getting promoted when this is proven that it had like the internal affairs report says this happened totally give me those vacation days and also congratulations on your new gig right and so here's the deal we're back at the strip mall with Alexis like in that literally on in a table in a parking lot I don't know why that's so weird is that weird it's just my thinking with these documentaries is always like was there no conference room available was there no like kitchen with a table where you set up a nice shot I'm this is not a criticism to Alexis and Billy right I know this was COVID times right it just looks weird to see like a fancy documentary where they're sitting outside at a strip mall in a parking lot. Didn't bother me. Okay. <laughs> Alexis, you look like a million dollars in this shot, by the way. Like a trillion. She's amazing. So the hot John Oliva, is that how you say his name? Yeah. The cop? He's like, you know, you hear the, the rumor mill back then that he had he had some issues while he was on the job, but, uh, you know, constantly promoted. He definitely had uh, an angel on his shoulder. Cool. You know, somebody was definitely watching out for him throughout his career. 
In order for him to have survived that thing as a sergeant back in the 90s and to keep climbing up the ranks, he had to have some sort of like guardian angel on his side. This is where we learn about DA Tom Spoda. Mm -hmm. And we learned that this guy, Tom Spoda, the DA, met Jimmy Burke when Jimmy was a teenager and Tom Spoda was like the lead prosecutor or whatever. Back in 1979. Yeah. And they meet on this thing called the Pious Case. This is so, if you haven't pulled over, please do. This is like, I I like truly had nightmares about this and we don't even get into it that much, but this is like really horrifying. So we learned that this Pious Case, it's a famous case on Long Island. Billy, can we get to the bottom of this? While you're on Long Island, can you solve this? You're good at solving these things. I know. So, 1979, this 13-year-old boy named John Pius was found dead. He was beaten. Okay, guys, this is really bad. so bad. He was beaten and he had rocks shoved down his throat. And he was buried behind a school. And the story is that... These kids had stolen a useless $5 bike and a Johnny Pius saw them do it and that they threatened him and because he was going to turn them in over this $5 thing. Johnny Pius had seen them and was going to turn them in. I don't think any of this is true. Yeah, I don't either. And so to keep him from doing that, they shove rocks down his throat and kill him and bury him. Right. And the cops arrest and charge four teenagers with murder. Tom Spoda is the lead prosecutor. Yeah. And there was no evidence for these four kids. Right. And a lot of people were like, I don't think they did it. But who's the star witness? 14-year-old James Burke. So James Burke, our piece of shit, like chief of police here, he meets Tom Spoda as a kid when Tom Spoda is the prosecutor and like basically does Tom Spoda a solid by like what we think is lying about overhearing these boys like admitting to the crime. Right. These four teens are found guilty and decades later they're released from prison. So come on. But they're all released on plea deals and appeals. Like we know they didn't do it. Like Billy who did this? Who did it? But this solidified this alliance between James Burke and the DA Tom yeah, Spoda. Yeah because James Burke at 14 years old apparently he was like a low level criminal and and Tom Spoda's like, hey, kid, I think you should go into law enforcement and I'll look out for you. And like, this is what happens. He goes into law enforcement and he just like climbs the ranks being consistently promoted by Tom Spoda. And this is probably why his behavior is so bad. It's why he's like having sex in the car and losing his gun. Right. Because he's being protected by this one guy. At any point, he could be like, ah, I lied. None of my testimony was real. Right. And that thing on the cover of Newsday, yeah. that wasn't the only thing he did wrong. He was doing this left and right and he knew he'd be protective because the lead prosecutor has his back. But now, yeah. we got a Columbo reference every Everybody oh, sit yeah. down. <laughs> Rob Trotta tries to describe Tom Spoda as like... He always reminded me of like Columbo, like one of these buffoony guys who's really smarter than he can makes out to be. He was like Columbo. He was like a buffoon guy, but smarter than he makes himself out to be. And to this I say, do not be smirch, Columbo. <laughs> I get what he's trying to say, but no, Columbo was not a piece of shit. The whole point was that he was scamming the bad guys. So Alexis and Billy are trying to dig up dirt on James Burke. They're trying Now, remember, you guys, we are going to connect Burke to this story. Remember, the whole reason we're here is because Alexis's friend, Chris. Yeah. We're going to get there, but right. we're just giving you the backstory. So they're trying to dig up dirt. They're trying to understand this guy, Jimmy Burke. And so nobody wants to go into the record. We hear, like, Alexis on the phone with these people who are like, absolutely not! Click! You can like, she's like, ow! But they find this one New York City cop who was like good friends with James Burke who will let his voice be used as long as they disguise it. Right. And he's basically confirming everything we've heard and he tells these stories about Burke being violent with sex workers and there's this amazing Alexis moment that we didn't cover in the the live show. Did you ever see James Burke Strangling a woman in a strip club with his tie? Well, not in a mean, not in a mean way. Not in a mean way. So in a nice, a nice, nice, so in a nice, a nice strangling. What was he doing? Well, you know, playing around with 
you know, not in a mean way. Right. And Alexis, God bless her, goes, <laughs> so you mean like a nice strangling? And I just have, get it, Alexis. <laughs> and the cop is like, la, 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 la. a little bit of Alexis. <laughs> and so they've been listening, they've been waiting for that since minute one of this <laughs> podcast. We did. <laughs> and so the cop's like, all right, fine, the broad has a point. Uh, he's like, you know, normal people wouldn't do it. Right. But what he's saying is that James Burke would be violent and handsy and rude, yes. thinking it was funny, and no one else thought it was funny. Yeah, and so we got another story like that. We're back with Rob Trotter, the guy, the Newsday guy. The Newsday guy. He's like, well, I have an interesting story. And this story is bananas. Back in the day when Rob Trotter was a police officer, he's working some case somewhere. We don't really get the details. And Jimmy Burke, now that he's like climbed the ranks, comes over to, to Rob Trotter and he's like, Trotter, I heard about you. You're a heavy hitter. You know, you lead the county in arrests. I look at your numbers. I want you to work for me one day, blah, 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 blah. And then the next conversation was the most shocking conversation maybe I've had in my entire life. He asked me if... I could get him a snuff film. Any chance you could get me a snuff film? A snuff film. (laughs) Now, I know. (laughs) Rob Trotter's like, no, girl, I can't get you a fucking snuff film. And then we learned this is not the only snuff film story about this guy. No, no. How many snuff film stories do you need to stop promoting this guy? Uh, right, because we're back with John Ray, who's Shannon Gilbert, the lady that was missing in the beginning. Her family attorney, the one that's like dressed yes. in a bow tie and the dog shirt. Him. He's yeah. amazing. He's like, there's another instance. And like, he just can't even get the words out. He's like, we do have a police officer who has told us that they were watching this snuff film apparently for police purposes. Burke was present during the observation of the snuff film and this police officer walked out in disgust because chief burke was giggling hysterically at what was going on in the snuff film and apparently jimmy burke was giggling like a hyena yeah and that's when john ray goes now that's a pervert that's a really sick dude now that's a pervert. That's a really sick dude. And I'm like, yeah. I know. Yeah. Now that's a pervert. And we get like, I don't want to get into it, but we get a story that I totally believe from a sex worker. She goes by Jane and yeah. she's like, there were parties happening and Jimmy Burke and a lot of like big wig guys were there and it was like young, hot girls, all older guys. People yeah. are hammered, doing drugs, drinking and uh, it's in Oak Beach and yeah. she's like, I had consensual sex with him, but it was really, really aggressive, more aggressive than I was expecting to the point where she's like can you stop that the whole point is to say these rich and powerful people connected in suffolk county are friends with james burke they're all having these like as billy describes it all come together at a house where hired sex workers were invited to cocaine fueled parties cocaine-fueled sex parties. I mean, the Oak Beach elite, yeah, he calls them. Right. Cocaine-fueled And that, sex like, parties. it could be, the point of this whole section is that it could be that if, remember, James Burke showed up and on day one, like, got rid of the FBI, doesn't want anybody looking at Oak Beach or any, like, right. anything he has to do with, and it's because he's got all this shit to hide. Right. And also, because of Jane, we know that he's terrible to sex workers, mm-hmm. and Alexis and Billy are making the connection, like, if he's partying with sex workers a mile away from where all these sex workers' bodies were found, we we know he likes to strangle strippers. Yeah. We know he thinks that snuff films are funny. He's garbage. You could say it. He's garbage, but could he also maybe be the Long Island serial killer? Like, that's the whole point of this. Right. So we get back to, like, the setup, which is that, like, this Chief Burke guy was in total control of Suffolk County and nobody could bring him down. And when they said that during the, the live show, I went, do it with me. Ha! That's wicked, everybody. <laughs> and so it says, he was the king of the mountain. And no one could bring him down, except this guy. Except for this guy. So we're back to Alexis's friend, Christopher Loeb. Mm-hmm. We get this really fast-talking voicemail from him where he said, God is telling me to just fucking expose this shit. Yeah. So Chris <laughs> is like, 
I've kind of had enough of this Jimmy Burke guy yeah. getting away with everything. Chris has one hell of a story that- And, and by the way, the story is true. Like, the story that you're going to hear right now is corroborated eventually by the FBI. Yes. So it might sound, that's ridiculous. It can be ridiculous and, and also true. true. <laughs> yeah, we make a living as podcasters. You know what ridiculous I mean? Ridiculous and true. <laughs> GP and me, ridiculous and true. <laughs> so there's, okay, I'm going to, I'll give you a little backstory because Alexis told me this. We learned that like, Chris finally agrees to meet with Billy to tell his story. They've been chasing Chris down the whole time they've been there. And he's been like cagey about whether he was going to tell the story or not. He's never told the story on camera before. And when he finally agrees to tell the story, it's only Billy. Yeah. And I'm like, where's Alexis, your best friend? And Alexis told me later, he was really mad at me. (laughs) Billy was? No, Chris was. Why? I don't remember what happened or why he was mad at her. But all of a sudden he wasn't speaking to Alexis. So Billy had to go do this part of the show. Well, as long as he's talking. I know. And the whole thing is that, like, Chris is, like, all these years later, he's still scared. Are you still scared of Suffolk County? Absolutely. Why? Does it want to kill him? I'm really scared. It's got to be a private place. I'm imagining, and I said this during the live show, I'm imagining back room of a restaurant, a basement, a hotel room in the middle of the night. Billy picks him up and they drive to a fucking parking lot at noon. That's the safest place to be. <laughs> I said this during the, like, haven't you seen The Godfather? You don't go to a back of a restaurant <laughs> at night. No, the middle of the day where yeah. a lot of people can see us. I that's guess, the safest place to go. But it's also like a, a wide open field where anyone could take a shot at you from anywhere. It's Long Island. Anything could happen. It's true. <laughs> So here's the story. Yeah. December 13th, 2012. Chris is 26 years old. And as Billy tells us, in the throes of a heroin addiction. And what Chris would do is that he would break into parked cars and steal whatever he could find. Yeah. And he heard about this super dirty cop who kept all this confiscated and stolen drugs in his cop car. I get out of the truck. I walk into his driveway. I open up the car door. The car door is open. He had an evidence bag with drugs in it. I took the evidence bag, I put it inside the duffel bag. The duffel bag was inside the truck. And when he gets home, he opens the duffel bag, and we're told what he finds inside is so disturbing that once it gets out, it would change the Suffolk County Police Department forever. And at first, it's not so bad. Oh it's my God. just It's not not bad. <laughs> no, it's like, at first, it's just, I mean, Chris can say it, it's just a bunch of sex toys. Yeah, I mean, it's like, it's a Ziploc bag with a pink butt plug. I just had to say butt plug on our podcast. I see your butt plug. I raise you <laughs> anal beads. Which, like, fine. Yeah. All fine. Lube, all fine. But wait, the, the way he says lubricants, he really struggles with lubricants, and I get it. That's not an easy word. I found another Ziploc bag with lubricants in it. It's like the BR combination. Lubricants. Bru- lubricants. Lubricants. It's a re- lub- lu- lubricants. Lu- lubricants. <laughs> it's fine for me. It's a really weird thing for you and I to be yelling at each other. <laughs> I'm saying it softly. <laughs> so this is all like, maybe your grandma will be ups- upset, but it's all kind of fine. No, it's fine. Uh-huh. These are just things that have been in other people's bodies. That's my problem. Sure. The thing itself I have no issue with. Yeah, you got to wash those things no, immediately, right? I just Once it's been inside another human, I don't want to ever see it again. Sure. Moving on. Okay. <laughs> it's all well and good. Wash your stuff. Be safe. Be okay. clean. But the next thing he finds is a fucking snuff film. Yeah. He finds a stack of DVDs. And of course, he goes home and like puts one in the DVD Thinking player. It's porn. But he says he watches it for two minutes. And mm-hmm. it was a guy in a mask torturing a woman, a sex worker. Arms tied behind her back. Makeup running down her face. She looked like she knew that she was going to die. Yeah. He said scared to death. But remember, like Shannon Gilbert running, screaming out of the house 
house they're at four in the morning, me. they're going to kill me. Yeah. In the neighborhood where all this shit went down. Right, right. And so also, oh, on top of that, just a whole bunch of weapons. Just yeah. a whole <laughs> bunch of weapons, handcuffs, a whistle. Yeah. So like suddenly the cops track down Chris pretty quickly. Because they say it's still a mystery as to how they found him. And then Billy's also like, but it was also Chris. So they just kind of assumed. He was just known around town. Yeah. Like it's just yeah. sad, but whatever. It's so, like if you ever find an open bottle of vodka on the sidewalk in Hell's Kitchen, you know to return it to me. I know. You know what I mean? Like, who, 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 <laughs> you'll, you'll drink street vodka? <laughs> I, it depends on the day, but yeah, probably. I got news for you. Yeah. <laughs> I think the anal beads are safer than the street vodka. Oh, God. Street vodka. Ninth Avenue street vodka. <laughs> So they they haul in Chris. Uh, they do, you know, like by the book, it's like you have the video and yeah. you have, you know, they do none of that. They're, they throw not- him like in an interrogation room with no cameras. Like they are there to scare the shit out of and or kill him. And they chain me to the floor like this for 10 hours, 10 or 11 hours. Uh, Burke came in, told him all to leave the room. So Burke comes in, clears the room, and he just starts threatening Chris. Yeah. He knows he's been caught. This kid has his whole duffel bag of fucking tricks. Totally. Chris is also saying, like, he's not backing down. He goes, yeah. I saw your fucking DVDs, bro. I... <laughs> and Burke is like, yeah. yeah. He goes, you're a fucking junkie. No one's believing you. I am the chief. Nothing bad can happen to me, and you are, quote, a junkie. Who do you think they're going to believe? Yeah, and you know what? Burke is right. Yeah. And and not only what Burke isn't saying is, like, I'm protected. Like, right. you're a junkie. I'm the chief of police, and I'm protected. Like, I nothing can touch me. And not, I've been killing sex workers for years. For years, idiot. Yeah. And he's like, and... I'm going to murder your whole family like I killed those seconds. He says as much to Chris, right? I know, I know. So, and, like the, and like we hear later when Chris gives his victim impact statement, he also says to him that he's going to kidnap and rape his elderly I know, mother. I know, That is uh, crossing a line. Yes. You know what I, I mean? mean? Yeah, that yeah. line is way behind him. I know, I know. Long but, gone. But even still, that's another line crossed. Yeah, yeah. You know I, mean, I mean, the lines just keep yeah, appearing and he, they're all well behind him. And Burke orders a, quote, code of silence. They will not cross that blue line. The officer's can't say a word. So anybody, any of the officers who witnessed the incident, code of silence, which I'm sure this is just the fifth one that day. You know what I mean? But guess what? Someone sings like a fucking canary. They're on the horn with the FBI before the doors close. And they tell us it took two years, but the FBI chipped away at Burke's blue wall of silence. Burke repeatedly met with members of the Suffolk County Police Department who had witnessed Burke's assault of Loeb to agree on ways to get their story straight. Defendant Burke entered the interrogation room and is alleged to have repeatedly slapped and punched Loeb about the face. So 2015, Jimmy Burke is arrested and indicted on obstruction of justice and civil rights charges. And, and I'm like, we, is that all? I know. Is that all? I know. And we see them dragging him out in handcuffs. I got to say, it feels good to see that. It's amazing. Yeah. But then, like, my heart is shattered because he's only sentenced to 46 months in prison, and that's it. These people never get any time. And he's out. Like, yeah. he, he gets out. Yeah. And is he ever. So James Burke is released from prison in April of 2019. Great. He walks among us. Yeah. And then Billy and Alexis call Jimmy Burke's lawyer. Yeah. And Because the whole... <laughs> (laughs) point is that they're like, all right, we got all this shit on Jimmy Burke. We want to give him an opportunity to give his side of the story. So they call and Billy does this thing. (laughs) This is the first of at least two times he does it where he's like, my name is Billy Jensen. I'm a uh, journalist and producer. We are doing a seven part podcast and a um, two hour TV special. And James Burke has become a major focus. Hi, 
My name is Billy Jensen. I'm doing a seven-part podcast and a two-hour TV special on how James Burke is a Long Island serial killer. Do you have anything to say? And I'm like, Billy, this is the type of guy who thinks you can watch a podcast. I know, I know. Like, yeah, he yeah, does yeah. it a seven-part what? I like, know. Well, listen, he's Billy fucking Jensen. Like, how many times do you have to say it? Billy solves murders on Facebook. He really does, though. Billy can do anything. You got to know your audience because this lawyer is like a seven-part. You lost at a two-hour. Well, I think those of us who make podcasts for a living know if you say I'm making a podcast, nobody knows what that is. Right. I think Billy went into this call knowing he wasn't getting an interview. They made that call knowing that we're going to get exactly what we get. Totally, totally. Because the lawyer's like, no, like he's not. <laughs> and they're just like, why not? Why yeah, not, yeah. sir? Just baiting him uh-huh. for for these amazing sound bites. The lawyer's like. I mean, we've heard some pretty explosive things about no, him, what? you know, from, from multiple sources. Well, be careful what you do. Should be careful. All right. Just uh, just be careful. I, and Billy's like, what do you mean? What do you mean? I don't know. I would be careful. What do you mean by be careful? He's just not interested. That's for sure. Okay. But what do you mean by? No, I, I would, you know, no, make sure the sources are correct, you know? Mm-hmm. What do you mean be careful? <laughs> say it. Say it. Say it. Threaten me. Threaten me. <laughs> Billy really didn't like it. He's like, I hear you, but what do you mean? I hear you, but what do you mean? And the guy's like, no, I, I don't mean be careful like I'm going to break your knees. I'm just right. saying, you know, you got to make sure your sources are correct. And Billy, like, he had this ready to go. He's yeah. like, that's what you do in journalism. I know I know all about that. Yeah, I know. I know. And the guy's like, yeah, no, uh, Jimmy's not going to talk. Thanks. Yeah, so they hang up the call. Two seconds later, Billy and Alexis are in the car. And they're like, even though the lawyer said no, we want to drive out to James Burke's home to give him the opportunity to say no in person. This... <laughs> is a whole thing. So they go to his house. Picture it. I know. Paint a picture. It's Billy and Alexis in the rain. They yeah. s- Alexis looks like a million bucks. Her a hair is perfect. Bucks. I don't I know. know. I th- There's one little drop of rain. My hair is a mess. She looks perfect. They ring the bell. You hear someone go, who is it? <laughs> Billy Jensen yells back, hi, Billy Jensen. We're making a seven-part podcast and a two-hour TV special about how you're the Long Island serial killer. Can we ask you some questions? And they're like, I'm looking for James Burke. And then we just hear, You don't live here. You don't live here. <laughs> this is insane. Your mic work on this is really incredible. <laughs> Thank you. It's James Burke's house. Yeah, totally. It's James Burke saying, who is it? He's not here. <laughs> so the person goes silent and stops answering. And Billy is like, I'm just going to leave my phone number. <laughs> and you can listen wherever you get your podcast. And if you can give us a review, rate and review, it really helps with the algorithm <laughs> as he's walking away. And they're in the car. And, Billy, and Billy's like, huh, maybe it's not him. Maybe he was renting a house and it's a friend. And Alexis is like, Billy, I know. girl, that was yeah. totally him. Even like hearing what we can hear, it sounds just fucking like him. Right, because we've heard him on other like press conferences or whatever it was absolutely him this really ends with a bunch of people we've met saying he does seem like a guy who could be a (laughs) long island serial killer now that you're asking me about it because we get like the new york city cop from earlier who wants to be disguised who said those horrible violent stories about the sex workers and the strippers and he's friends with this guy but then says this there's a part of me that thinks this fucking guy killed and that's just the truth i just let me tell you something I sat across from a lot of killers, a lot. And <laughs> I tell you, man, he has that vibe, you know? He just has it. And when he gets drunk, I know how he just... He's like, I've talked to many killers. Totally. Killers, all the killers I've spoken to. Jimmy Burke's a killer. Don't. And when he gets drunk, oof, my own. I He's mean, a murderer. But I'm also definitely going to the strip club with this guy this weekend. I hope they used to be friends. Right, exactly. I, I have yeah. to sleep yeah. tonight. Don't. I need to think that they're, they used to be friends. And then we get Rob Trotta, who's like... I had a conversation with a federal prosecutor one time, and I go, do you think really Burke could have done it? And he looked at me straight in the eye and says, probably not all of them. Probably not all of them. <laughs> 
Probably not all of them. Really fucking crazy. Everyone thinks James James Burke is a fucking Long Island serial killer. Can you imagine if he isn't? He's just a dirtbag. Do you think? I do. Really? I do. Are we going to get sued for that? I do. That's my opinion. Our lawyer said I can state my opinion. My opinion is the following. James Burke is the Long Island serial killer. Oh my or he God. had help or something. There's some. He's involved. Yeah, and so like it ends ends with us learning that there's all of these like pieces of information that the Suffolk County cops have that they're still not releasing. Like Shannon's 911 call. There's a video of another victim leaving a hotel on the night that she gets murdered that they won't release. There are images of the young Asian man in women's clothing that was found. That there's images of the clothes that they won't release. And Alexis's point is like, if you guys just release that stuff, like what's the harm? Like there might be somebody out there who could either a identify the victim. Right, right, right. Or maybe help identify the killer. And the family lawyer, Shannon's family lawyer, is like, I'm begging them to work with me. I have all this evidence I want. I have, like, let's work together. Yeah. And they just won't do it. And, like, the one interesting thing here, I think, is that Shannon's one call has never been released. I know. This guy, the lawyer, fought for it in court and won. He's heard it. He has the fucking tapes. This is wild. It's wild because Alexis is like, all right, obviously the court order stated that he could have the tapes, but he could not tell anybody what was on them. But legally, Alexis is like, so right after Shannon's body was found, another detective like wrote into Newsday, Newsday and said, I've heard the tape and here's what's on it. And the tape is 22 minutes long. Yeah. So, uh, But I think this is hilarious. Tw- and a 22 minute 911 call? Are you crazy. kidding me? That's crazy. Yeah. And I think this is hilarious and brilliant because Alexis is like, can you tell me whether or not those statements are true or false based on what you heard on the tapes? Yes. I was shocked that he I know. because the point is this this detective who wrote in is lying. Yes. And the lawyer says the term outrageously false. Oh my god. Right, because so Alexis is saying, so this guy wrote In the house at Oak Beach, Gilbert was not about to be murdered. Her demeanor on the tape was calm. False. Out- outrageously false. Then she says, You can hear male voices on the tape, and they are calm outrageously false. Shannon was not speaking as though she was in danger. And he said, he takes a beat and he goes, grossly false. Then what's a 22 minute phone call then if everything's calm and okay? And what is like, what's on the tape that we can't hear? You know, like 22 minutes. That's a full episode of a sitcom. The other thing too is like not releasing it is the thing that like spawns all the conspiracy theories. Right. And especially when you have a lawyer saying, look at all my boxes. Yeah. I know where everything is. You don't have to know the organization. (laughs) But when you have someone so willing to work with you and you just refuse. Yeah. And like, I want to hear the 911 tape. I want to hear it. I want to know what's on that. I know. I want to know what's on it. I just, I feel if it's so long and the lawyer's reaction about how it's outrageously false, I think it's heartbreaking and terrifying. Yeah. But I think it should be, I mean, I think we got to use that to get to the bottom of this. And Alexis kind of says as much. She's like, 10 years from now, we can't be asking the same questions with the case still unsolved. That's why we're not done. We're not looking away and neither should the Suffolk County Police Department, the DA's office or the public. Like, we have to keep fighting for this because yeah. clearly the cops aren't going to do it. And then it ends in this really beautiful way where she, like, says all the victims' names. In the pursuit of justice for Megan, for Maureen, for Amber, for Melissa, for Valerie, for Jessica, for Shannon, and for the unidentified victims. It's a call to action. Like, we got to do something about this. Alexis, let the women do the work. Yes, Alexis. <laughs> the way she sits back in that chair. Why don't you elaborate? Mm. <laughs> We did it. 
twice. We did it. We did it twice. And two completely different shows. So speaking of which, you guys, we're doing our live show this Saturday at the Wilbur Theater in Boston, July 31st, 2021. Maggie, Lancey, Timmy, you and me, we're covering the disappearance of Maura Murray. It's going to be bananas. We're not trying to find her. We're just trying to like talk about the case, keep it out there, have a little bit of fun. And let me tell you, if you think you're not local to Boston, I'm taking the Acela there. So you can get there <laughs> from other states. Yeah. I'm just saying there's still time. Be spontaneous. Yes. Buy a ticket today. And if you've never seen us live, it is something to behold. It is really, especially when we got Timmy and Lancey who just like have no idea what's coming at them. And Maggie sits there like a queen also. <laughs> I'm just like, Maggie, I got questions. You guys, truecrimeobsess.com. Click on the CS Live link. Come see us live. Also join our Patreon. Over 250 full ad-free bonus episodes to download and binge right this second. And then all the series, you know, yeah. like Heaven's Gate and Tiger King, Don't F with Cats, Lorena, Night Stalker. We're Serial doing the Preppy Murder. One. Oh, Preppy Murder. Also ad-free versions of these episodes. What are we doing next, girl? We're doing When Phil Met Missy. Remind me again what this is. This is about security footage oh. from... Fast food joints, essentially. <laughs> I stumbled on this on Discovery Plus, and then it, I guess it had just come out because the messages, it's just about this horrible guy. It's cr- I can't even get into it, but it like all takes place drinking McDonald's coffee in a booth at McDonald's. Oh my God. It's ridiculous. All right, you guys, stay tuned for the trailer for that. Then our hilarious, ridiculous outtakes. I'm um, loving you, girl. Loving you. And we'll hopefully see you all in Boston. Oh, please come. It's I know. It's going to be so fun. All right, bye. Bye. My mother's missing. She's gone. My father is the prime suspect. She could have been dead in Cincinnati. So she passed away in your car? Yeah. Where did they transport her to? I'm not sure where. You don't know? It was the story that Phil Snyder started to tell that made you think that it wasn't natural causes. That led the police to putting Phil under surveillance. Some townsfolk go and have coffee at local fast food restaurants just about every morning. Phil told him they stopped at a Ramada Inn. We obtained video from the Ramada Inn that showed Phil walking into his hotel room, but no Roberta. That's when Missy entered the equation. Morning. I heard a rumor this is the best coffee in town. I'm Missy. Nice to meet you. Yeah. I'm staying with my mom in Atwater. The people in town were saying, oh, you want to be careful. That's the guy who killed his wife. Missy just kind of like blew it off. When my mom goes, we're going to get tongue close. I told you what a she is. I get set up. Say you do choose to do something. Then you'll help me. Was it possible that Missy had seen Phil on TV and then sought him out to kill her mother too? Missy was up to no good. And she and Phil seemed made for each other. Could they both end up going down for murder? When Steve and I were listening to the Housewife and the Hustler episode, Steve goes, you're laughing too much. <gasps> it's as though he's read the iTunes reviews. <laughs> Is he? How many, like, sock accounts does Steve have? I just called him Steven. I know that's not his name. Also, who has a DVD player? It's, two, it's 2012. When did we get rid of the DVD players? 2013. <laughs> Billy tells us in his, like, sweet, sexy, bourbon-soaked voice. <laughs> bourbon-soaked voice. I don't mean, like, in the moment. I just mean it makes it that deep, raspy, husky. It's not water. In no. I'll be gone in the dark, no. by the way. The way... Do that thing where you cover your mouth. Mm, I'm sorry. Mm, it's so rude of me. So sorry. Oh, my God. 
I thought cop cars automatically locked the back doors, right? Is I that guess. also from the movies? I, I've never been on the inside of a cop car, so I, I, don't, I don't know, know anything about this. So. Which is a shock to me, as well as everybody else, I would imagine. Come on, you, what? I, Why? I've never been arrested. Oh, I thought you were assuming that you were shocked that I haven't been in the back of a cop car. No, I'm saying I think it's a shock that I haven't been in the back of a cop car. For just being loud. Totally. <laughs>